So this morning, I want to minister on generosity. How many know that generosity is an important character trait for a Christian? We should be generous. Christians should be generous. And as a result of having this character trait, and why do we have this character trait? Because we are made in the image of God, right? And we're made in the image of God, and God is generous. How many know that God is a generous God? He gives without holding anything back. And if we are made in His image, then we have the same character traits that God has. That means that we are generous. That means that we are givers. But you can say, Pastor Wayne, you don't know me. I'm not a giver. Well, no, if you're made in the image of God and you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're a giver. You just don't know it yet. And just to, to, to get the quick thing out of the way, I'm not just talking about money this morning. I'm not just talking about tithes and offerings. But we need to be generous with every part of our life. We're, we do need to be generous with money. How many know that we need to be generous with our money? We do. But we also need to be generous with our time. We need to be generous. Matter of fact, being generous with your time is probably harder than being generous with your money. Anybody can write a check, but to show up and, and do the work that God wants you to have, that's a little bit tougher. That requires a little bit more sacrifice. We need to be generous with our love. We need to be generous with our compassion. We need to be generous with our mercy. As Christians, we should be generous in every good thing that we have in our life. Because we are made in the image of God, and that's how God behaves. That's why that stingy people are never happy. Have you ever noticed that people that are selfish are never happy? They're always looking for something to make them happy, but they can never figure it out. But then you see people that are incredibly poor that have more joy than you can imagine because they're generous. I mean, one of the greatest examples is, is that, that, that his mother, Teresa, she gave everything. She lived in poverty, but she was full of joy. And it had nothing to do with her material possessions, but she had a generous heart because she recognized that that's who God is. And like I said, I want to get the, the money bit out of the way because that's obviously what's going to get talked about today. It's going to make everybody uncomfortable. Talking about money always does. And we'll get into that a little bit different, a little bit later. But the truth is that, did you guys know that Jesus talked about money more than he did anything else other than the kingdom of heaven? Jesus talked about money more than, hell, than heaven. He talked about money more than hell. He talked about money more than love. The only thing he talked about more was the kingdom of heaven. So that tells me something. That money might be a little bit important to God. And we're going to talk about today why that is. Um, But yeah, 11 out of the 39 parables speak of money. That's over a quarter of them. One out of every seven verses in the book of Luke mentions finances. Isn't that incredible? But the truth is, I mean, like I said, we're going to dig in that a little bit more, but the truth is God doesn't need your money. I mean, God, God is rich beyond belief. I mean, the, the, the riches of his glory are, are more than any material thing on this world. The scripture says that he has the, the cattle on a thousand hills, which basically is them saying his resources are unlimited. God doesn't need your money. And the, the truth is, I don't need your money. Even if, every, if everybody left this building right now and nobody ever came back, God would still take care of me because I believe what his word says. So the truth is, is that, that giving is not about the person receiving. But giving is all about you. When you give, it affects you. 
And that's everything that we'll talk about. Like I said, not just money. It's your time. It's your, your reason. Everything that you have, when you give, it affects you. It changes you. Amen? So let's go ahead and get started. Because the reason that I, I, I wanted to talk about this is because last, last week we talked about learning from the early church. And this is one of the scriptures that we went through. And in Acts 4.32-35 through 35, it says, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was, a, pardon me, was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. You see, this scripture got me thinking as we're reading about the early church and we were trying to learn from the early church so we can model ourselves after them, this is something that you don't see in the church today. This is something completely foreign to us. How many of you would agree with that statement? This is foreign, particularly in the United States. These people were different. Let me tell you something else. This was a foreign concept even back then. One of the reasons Jesus talked about money so much is money was a problem for people. Money was always getting put ahead of God. But something happened to these people. The early church, they were touched by Jesus. They were changed on the inside. They weren't who they were. And something began to happen inside of them. And they began to realize that the important things in life wasn't their house, wasn't their land, it wasn't their their money. You see, now and even then, the attitude of the world is selfishness. It's an inward focus, an inward looking at ourselves. Matter of fact, that's one of the greatest powers of sin is that it makes you look at yourself. Sin is always pointing at you, saying how you're failing and how you're messing up. When God just wants you to look at His Son, stop looking at yourself, but look at His Son. But their attitude was different. It was so different than the world around them. And I wondered, why is that? But it's because they were changed. Jesus had touched each and every one of their lives. He was living inside of them, and as a result, Jesus was living through them. They were beginning to look like Jesus, like God, because God is generous. In John 3.16, everybody knows this verse, right? For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. Everybody knows that verse. It's, it's the most quoted verse in the entire Bible. Matter of fact, it's almost come to the point where I hate using it in a sermon because it's almost become trite to people. It just kind of blows over everybody's head. They don't get the full impact of what is actually going on there. Do you understand what has happened? God gave His Son. Let me say that again so you can understand what actually happened. God gave up His Son. I can't imagine giving up my son. I can tell you right now that it is much more likely that I would give my life for you than I would give my son's life for you. But God gave. He didn't hold anything back. God wasn't, and not only did he not hold anything back, he did it for a bunch of sinners. A bunch of people that didn't deserve it. God gave everything at great cost to himself. Because that's the attitude that God has. 
In 1 John 3, 1, it says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. See what kind of love the Father has given to us. God lavishes out His love, His provision, His blessing without holding anything back. God is a generous God. And these people were becoming like Him. That's what was different. That's what changed. And that's amazing to me. Because our initial instinct is to keep everything for ourselves. How many many recognize that? You recognize that even in yourself? I see that. that that's something that I have to, to do. I have to catch a hold of. Whether it comes down to, to even when my wife and I first got married. And, and still sometimes, but I try to be better about it. But we'll sit down and I'll order some food. And I'm like, I want this, this, and this. This is what I want. Let's put it on my plate. We're ready to go. And she looks at what she wants, and I think she cuts it in half. She's like, I want this, this, and this, but I'm only going to take a half or a quarter of it. And then she starts trying to eat my food. She does. She eats my... She, I'm like, what are you... This is, I, I, I ordered this. This is what I wanted. If I'd known you were going to eat some of it, I would have ordered extra. But I've had to learn that, man, that I don't have to just think about myself. You know what? It's not that big of a deal if I give her a bite. And I see that, and not just in that, I mean, that's a humorous example, but the truth is we all have that inclination. We want to, to take care of ourselves. As a matter of fact, that's what the world is teaching nowadays. Look out for number one. Look out for yourself. Because in our brokenness before Jesus, we're selfish people. But once we get him inside of us, things begin to change. A miracle happens when you get saved and you are made different. Now, sometimes we try to cling on to the past with all of our life and we try to act like who we were, but you are something different when you get saved. In Jesus, we are selfless. So what's the big deal with money then? Why does does Jesus talk about it so much? And why is giving so important to God? Well, in Matthew 6, 24, it says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So why is generosity so important to God? Does he need our money? If, if, we don't, if we don't give our tithe, if we don't be generous to people that are hurting on the street, is God going to somehow cease to exist? Is God going to somehow not be able to function in the capacity that He wants to function? No. God does not need our money. But what He does want is all of us. God wants you. And when you're devoted to money, you can't give yourself fully to God. The things that we are unwilling to give up are the things that have a complete control in our lives. You know, when you can't give something up, you begin to recognize the control that it has in your lives. I smoked for many years, and quitting smoking was one of the hardest things that I have ever done because it had a hold in my life. It had a grip on me. There was an addiction. There was all of those things. Because the things that you're unwilling to give up, 
have control over your life. They dictate what you do. Cigarettes could make me spend hundreds of dollars a month on stuff that was killing me. It could make me have a bad attitude if I didn't get to, to have one when I wanted. It, could, it had a control over my life. And anything that we place in front of God has control over our lives. And anything that you put before God will ultimately disappoint you. God is the only one that will never disappoint you. Wives, if you put your husband before God, ultimately your husband's going to disappoint you. When you begin to rely on him to do the things that only God can do in your life. Husbands, if you put your wife before God, your wife is going to disappoint you. Not only that, not only will they disappoint you, but it's actually kind of unfair expecting your wife or your husband to fulfill the role that God was intended to fulfill in your life. You know, some people go to churches because a certain pastor is speaking, and when the pastor's not there, they don't want to go to church because they came to see the pastor instead of coming to see Jesus. And you know what? Ultimately, if their faith is placed in their pastor and not Jesus, they're going to be disappointed. If your job comes first, you're going to be disappointed. I know that firsthand. I used to work for Frito-Lay, delivering chips to all the stores. And I used to work 50, 60 hours a week because in my head, somehow I thought that making sure that I worked hard doing all that first, that was, that was how I was going to take care of my family. If I put the job first, then, then somehow in my head I was actually putting the family first because I was taking care of them. And I sure as heck wasn't putting God first. Couldn't make it to church because I worked every Sunday. And then I was too tired to go on Wednesday nights. And I began to step farther and farther away from God. But when I was putting my job first instead of it having the result that I thought it would, it actually was completely opposite. My family began to fall apart. My son was maybe a couple years old. We lived down in Sierra Vista, and I'd work 50, 60 hours a week. And I would come home, and my son, he would never come to me. He was a little baby, and he, he would never come to me. He always wanted mama. And I thought, well, that's just normal, because you know the kids always want their mama and not their dad. And then I ended up getting hurt. I hurt my arm, and I, I couldn't work for a week. And during that week, when my son saw me every day, he began to want to come to me. He began to want to interact with me. And I began to realize that I put my job first and I was destroying my relationship with my son, let alone my relationship with my wife. Anything that you put in front of God, anything that you put in front of somebody else shows that you love that thing more than the other person. Or the other thing. If you put anything in front of God, you're demonstrating your love for that thing over God. And the scripture says that you cannot serve two masters for either you will hate the one and love the other or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. That's the reason why people have so much time giving is because if they're devoted to God, giving is easy. But if they're devoted to their money, it's hard to give it up. It has a control over you. If we don't want to be disappointed, we have to put God first in every area of our lives. In Matthew 6, 34, it says, Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And verse 
25, Jesus starts by saying, don't be anxious about life. That's how this little, this little line of Scripture starts. He says, don't be anxious about life. And then he says, don't be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Because God is going to supply for you. God knows what you need. He goes on to say that, you know, that he talks about the, the birds not sowing and, and toiling, but they still have enough. You have enough in God. If we, if we put God first, as we continue on in 35, I believe it's in 35, it says that all things will be added to you if we're not anxious for them. All things will be added to you. If we put God first, the rest falls in line. And that's why this is important to God. Because when you put other stuff in the way, you actually limit your ability to have a relationship with God. You hurt your relationship with Him. Like I hurt my relationship with my my wife and my son and my daughters. You hurt your relationship with God when you put other things in front of Him. In 1 Timothy 6, 18-19, it says, They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so they may take hold of that which is truly life. So if we know that, that serving money or serving ourselves is the wrong thing, how do we go about doing the right thing? Well, the, I believe that we need to teach the right thing if we want to start doing the right thing. Paul told Timothy to instruct people that they're to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. I mean, that's good advice. And this is one area that's actually difficult as a pastor. Matter of fact, in the last uh, two and a half years that I've been preaching here, I think I've only really preached on finances twice because I don't like to do it. Because it makes people feel uncomfortable. It's tough. Because what, the instant I started talking about this, most of us, that for, even, even if you know me and you know how I feel about this, our first thought is to go, oh, he just wants our money. That's always the first thought. And why is this? And I think it's because we're so attached to our material things, particularly money, that when somebody is saying that we need to give up some of that, man, our, we just go into to, to fight or flight mode. When you saw that I was going to be talking about being generous this morning, some of you just wanted to hit me or run out the door. We don't want to deal with this. And two, unfortunately, there's a stigma that the church just wants your money. And unfortunately, there's been instances where people have had their trust violated. They've been taken advantage of. And that's sad because it's, it's, when, when people do that, they're in essence dragging God's name through the mud. In the church's name, the bride of Christ, they have drugged through the mud because they've done the wrong thing. But the truth is, giving has, like I said, nothing to do with me. In Philippians 4, 15 through 17, this is Paul speaking to the Philippian church, and he says, And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. See, the Philippian church, they were taking up offerings and they were supporting Paul. They were sending their money to make sure that he was, on, he was doing well. 
And Paul said, you know what? You guys are doing a great thing, but it's not that I seek the gift itself, but it's for the credit to your account. Giving does something for the giver even more than it does for those who are receiving. And like Paul, when you, when you, when you give into the church, I thank you for it. And like Paul, I will utilize that faithfully to, for the needs of the church. And fortunately, we, we operate in such a way that we have a board that, that any major financial decisions have to be agreed on by the whole board. We want to do things the right way. We want to be able to be a place where people can feel comfortable giving. But more importantly, more importantly, giving is about what it does inside of us. It's the credit to our account. So I'm going to teach it. I'm going to teach about giving, even though it's an uncomfortable subject. Even though not only is it uncomfortable for you to hear, it's uncomfortable for me to preach. I remember when I first started going to churches, I, I hated talks about money, because in my head, churches were out to just to take your money. And if I felt that way, I know other people feel that way. But I want to teach the right thing, because the truth is, if you don't like it, just go ahead and pull all the scriptures about it and cut them out of your Bible. If you don't like, just cut them out. But if you're not going to believe those particular scriptures, why would you believe anything else? seems to me you're wasting your time. You either believe the Word of God or you don't. Because you can't pick and choose. And this is something that Jesus taught about, and he taught on about a lot. Because it's important that we be generous. But not only will I teach it, But you should be teaching it as well. You should be teaching your children how to be generous. You should be setting an example for your co-workers, your friends, your family, and how to be generous. Teach them to give. And let them see you give. Parents, if you're not letting your children see you give, then then how are they going to learn to do the same thing? How are you going to change what society is telling them to keep everything for themselves? And how different would this world be if we had an attitude of generosity instead of an attitude of selfishness? And like I said, it doesn't just mean your money. I mean, that's the easy thing to talk about, but be generous with your time. Be generous with your love, your compassion, and let other people see you being generous with it, not holding it back. Because that's the example set by Jesus for us. In Proverbs eleven twenty four through 25 it says, One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. And in Proverbs nineteen seventeen it says, Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. Why does God teach us to be generous? Because it opens up an avenue for him to bless us. When we are generous, God can bless us like he wants us to bless us. But when we're not, it it effectually closes the door in our lives. The scripture says here, the one who gives freely grows all the richer, yet another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. You know, it seems like the opposite should be true, but the reality is that when you give, 
God will bless you. It says, whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. Who wants to be blessed? Who wants to be enriched? Scripture says that when we give, that's what happens. But stingy people, people that hold everything back, people that are looking back from themselves, they don't receive what God wants for their life. And we see this time and time again. As rich and famous people, how many stories have you heard about rich and famous people being incredibly depressed or, being, or committing suicide because nothing is good in their life? Everything is, is messed up. And you're like, how can that be? I mean, if I had all that, I would be happy. And that's the same trap they fell into. If I just had this and this and this, I would be happy. And they realized that collecting stuff doesn't do anything for you. It doesn't bring you joy. Giving brings you joy. Matter of fact, that's the whole point of Charles Dickens' book, A Christmas Carol, right? About Scrooge. He's super stingy and he's, he's just grumpy and ornery and a pain in the butt. And he finally, through the, through the lessons taught to him through the book, he begins to give and be generous. And his attitude changes. His life changes. And he has joy. I once heard a story of a pastor who had his house flooded with nine foot of water. The levee broke next to his house and his house filled up with nine feet of water. Basically, his house became a fish tank. And he lost everything. And he's a pastor. And he said he struggled at first. He's like, God. I've always been faithful to you. I've always I've done the things that you've asked. How could you let this happen to me? And he struggled with that. But then through it all, his congregation and the congregations around them, they began to bless him. And they rebuilt his house. And they filled his house with the things that were lost. And he, he, he received everything back into his life that he had lost. Even though he went through a tough time, He was blessed because he had always been faithful to God. God took care of him. God made sure he was blessed. And he said it did a couple of things. One, it let me come to grips with the generosity of God. I began to have a greater understanding of the generosity of God and how me being generous affects me. And he said the other thing is, is that, you know what? He said after that whole thing happened, I was just a little bit less enamored with things. I begin to see the important things in life aren't the stuff that I had, the TVs and the books and, the, and all of those things. He says that he goes into his office now. He lost his entire preaching library. Obviously, books don't make it through flooding very well. But during that process, other churches replaced all of that stuff. And he says he can go into his, his study right now and he looks in his bookshelf and every, every book that he has there is a result of someone being generous to him. And he helps him, reminds him of this principle of sowing and reaping. You see, the truth is that if we will be generous, God will always make sure that we have what we need. God will never leave you without it. He's going to outgive you every time. Amen? Matter of fact, in Luke 6 38, it's. It talks about the standard of measure for our giving and our generosity. It says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Not only will we be watered as we're watered, but how much is determined by how much that we give, how generous that we are. 
If you are a little generous, then you're going to receive a little bit back. But if you're greatly generous, much more will come back to you. It's by our standard of measure. So the question we can ask is, do I really believe this? You say, Pastor Wayne, do you really believe this? I can tell you, yes, I've lived it out my entire life. I've given joyfully and faithfully to God for years. I've given away cars. I've bought people guitars. I've sent people on mission trips. And I've never been able to outgive God. Matter of fact, the more that I give, the more that I have to be able to continue to give. And it's a, it's, it's a snowball effect when I'm able to, to give to somebody else and then they're able to give to somebody else and then they're able to give to somebody else and then they give to somebody else. And you know what? It always comes back to me eventually. And I'm blessed. As you guys know, I'm bivocational, but I have a good job. I make decent money, which doesn't make any sense because I don't have a degree in what I do. I just have certificates, but God's taking care of me. My wife has a great job. We have plenty of finances that we are able to bless and give, and God just keeps bringing it back in. The truth is that if God can get it through you, He will get it to you. The more I give, the more comes back to me. And I'm not special. It's, it's not, you know, I'm not on a, on a, spe, on a special uh, recipient plan because I'm a pastor. First off, this came well before I was a pastor. This is one of the areas that, that for me, and we all have different areas that we, we struggle with in faith, but for me, this has never been one of them. I, I, I used to have a hard time with it. Then one day, we decided to start giving to God and see the amazing things that He would do, and we've never looked back. God said, test me in this, so we said, all right, we're going to test you in this, and God has been providing ever since. They say the last thing on a man to get saved is his wallet. But for me, that wasn't the case. Now, there are other areas that I, I have to str- I struggle a little bit with, with faith a little bit more, but this isn't one for me. But there's nothing special about me. The Scripture says, test me in this. In, in the book of Malachi, he says, test me in this. See that I won't open the windows of heaven for you. In Luke 16, it says, one who is faithful and very little is also faithful and very much. If you will be faithful with the little you have, God will give you more to be faithful with. Amen. The next thing that I want to talk about, we've talked about being generous, and most of that in our head always gets steered back towards giving to the church. And I'm aware of that, and I, I don't want what me speaking of being generous today be about giving in the offering basket. The good news is we've already taken, received the offering this morning. We won't be doing it again. So everybody can relax. You can, you can not have to worry about uh, feeling guilty or pressured into it because we're done with that. But it's not just tithing that I want to talk about this morning. But I want to talk about being generous to, to, to even the people in the streets, people that you don't know. In Deuteronomy 15, 7-8, it says, If among you one of your brothers should become poor, and any of your towns within your land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother. But you shall open your hand to him and lend him sufficient for his need, whatever it may be. And then in 1 John three seventeen says, But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love 
abide in Him. As Christians, we should desire to meet the needs of those around us. If you know someone that's hurting in a need and you have the means to help them, help them. Be generous. Let them see God's love expressed through you. Amen? I'll be honest. I'm the first to be skeptical when I see people on the streets begging for money. My first instinct, my first thought is, is man, why don't they just go get a job? What, what are they doing? I mean, why are they begging for money? Why, I mean, and my first thought that I have to take captive, the scripture says that you need to take every, every thought captive, right? This is the one I have to take captive. Because my first thought is that they're taking advantage of people. And the reason that that's my first thought boils down to when I was in, in high school. I had my first job. I worked, oops, sorry, I worked at a Denny's, and uh, it had one of those open kitchens. I was a cook, and I could see out to the bar area in front of him. And just earlier that day, I'd been by Walmart, and there was a guy holding a sign saying that he needed money, and I gave him some money. And then that very evening, he showed up, and he, he sat down at Denny's, and he ordered steak and shrimp, the most expensive thing on the menu. And then he tipped the waitress very well, which I'm thankful for that. But my thought was, if you're hurting for money, why are you spending money this way? I felt like I had been taken advantage of. I felt like that he was being frivolous with what I had given him. And that's, that's kind of stained my thought process in that whole thing this whole time. So I'm always skeptical at first. But God's been working on my heart. He's been changing my heart in that area. In Hebrews 13.2, it says, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. You know, the truth is, there are people out there that are trying to take advantage of others. They're just trying to get a free ride. But there are other people out there that are really hurting. They've fallen on hard times. And I've decided that I would rather help someone that doesn't need it than to miss all the people that do because of my attitude. So more and more lately, when I see people asking for stuff, I, I, I take that thought captive instantly because it still pops up every time. But I take it captive and I choose to do something different. I choose to be generous. And I tell you what, every time I do it brings me such great joy. You wouldn't, you wouldn't believe how giving brings you joy in your heart. It's an amazing feeling. And the reality is, is, is it's God's love in us that causes us to be generous. To want to take care of those in need. The longer I've become a Christian, the more compassion I feel for people that are hurting. Now, we need to be wise about it. I mean, if there's a, there's a guy that, that smells like alcohol and he's asking for money in front of the liquor store, you probably don't want to give him cash. It's not going to be good for him. That's not showing him love. But maybe you can take him somewhere and get him something to eat, buy his food instead of giving him money. Something that my wife does, usually she carries around a, a bucket of bags that have a bottle of water and uh, uh, some sort of snack and a granola bar or something, and she writes on the front, Jesus loves you. And when she sees people on the corners asking for stuff, she gives them that because... They need water. They need food. But how can we be generous? How can we be a blessing to people? And the truth is, it should be tugging on your heart. John goes so far to say that if, 
anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? John is challenging the love of God inside of you if you're not being generous. He's saying that if, no, 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 listen here. If the love of God abided in you, you would be generous. You would want to share with it because God's love would flow through you. And if that's not the attitude that you have, I question whether God's love is really inside you. That's what John's basically saying. But I want you, I know the people that are in here have hearts that love people. And if you have Jesus inside you, then I know that you're generous. Maybe you've never been challenged like this before. Maybe you didn't even know. But the truth is that we love because he first loved us. That's 1 John 4.19. We love because he first loved us. And it's a natural expression of who we are as Christians. Amen? So I want to take a look at a couple quick stories here of, of generosity in action. In Luke 10, 30-35, this is Jesus telling a parable. He says, Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers to who, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. And he went to him, and he bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. This is Jesus telling a story of generosity. Jesus is showing an example. And this is an incredible example because this is a Samaritan being generous to a Jew, having compassion on a Jew. And if you don't know about this relationship, the Jews and the Samaritans had a, a long-time cultural hatred towards each other. If you were a Jew, you didn't like the Samaritans. If you were a Samaritan, you didn't like the Jews. This is kind of like the Hatfields and the McCoys. This is kind of like the Montagues and the Capulets. You know, this is a feud that, that, that was very difficult to overcome for these people. And what this started with was, was uh, Jesus was talking to some of the, the Jewish people there, and they were, they were saying, what is the greatest, or what, is the, what do we need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, well, you need to love your God with all your heart, soul, and your mind. And you need to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And they thought they were being clever. And they're like, all right, Jesus, but, well, then who's my neighbor? Let's, let's, let's clear this out, what we're talking about. And Jesus basically gave them their worst nightmare as an example. He said, your enemy, the one that you hate, that's your neighbor. And he says that this Samaritan was a neighbor. He was generous. This is the example of, of what we should, we should live our lives by. by. It doesn't, we're not shouldn't just be generous to our family members and our friends or the people we love. But we should be generous at every opportunity that we have. Be a blessing to those around us. Jesus taught us to be generous to all those who need it. Amen? Then in 2 Corinthians... We're going to learn a little bit about the Macedonian church. In 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 5, it says, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty has overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. 
For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this is not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. This is the Macedonian church giving an example to us of generosity. And we'll break it down real quick. First, he says that, that God has been given among the churches of Macedonia for a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed of a wealth and generosity on their part. So one, we find out that they're making a sacrifice. This is a test of affliction for them. This is a big deal for the Macedonian church. Apparently, they're not very well off. They don't have a lot of stuff. But they gave generously. It says that in their severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy, one, we know that because they were generous, they were still filled with joy. They may have not have had all the fancy stuff. They might not have had the big screen TVs and the video games and the computers and the nice cell phones, but they still had joy. And then it says, in their extreme poverty, they have overflowed in a wealth of generosity. They gave even more than what was could be expected of them. They gave beyond their means. as They gave according to their means and beyond their means. Not only did they... It's like the, the story that Jesus told of the, of the widow who gave her the, the widow's might. We've all heard that story. She gave two pennies. And Jesus said she gave more than everybody. And why was that? Because she gave everything that she had. Being generous at least as it's concerned with the credit to your account, has nothing to do with volume. It has to do with the attitude of your heart and what you're willing to give up. It says they gave beyond their own means. And then the next thing that's important, it says they did it of their own accord. This was their choice. This wasn't Paul beating down saying, hey, you need to send this. We need this right now. Get it over to us right now. We, we, you know, we need this, need this, need this. This is something that they wanted to do. There was, like the early church in the book of Acts, something had changed inside of them and they wanted to give. They wanted to be a blessing. It says that they were begging for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. I've been a Christian for a long time. I've been a pastor for a few years. No one's ever... Actually, I take that back. I have had people ask me to give. And it's always, been a, it's always been amazing to me. When we do these different outreaches, every time when we've done the, the Easter outreach or the Fall Festival outreach, people have asked, hey, can we help you? That's an amazing thing. They're asking to help. They're asking to be generous. Do you guys remember when Moses was building the temple and they were collecting all of the, it's in the book of Exodus, but they're collecting all of the materials And finally, they had so much that Moses had to give an edict. He had to give a a commandment that nothing more would be given. Because all the people were just, they were desiring, they were begging to be able to invest, to give to God. That's the kind of attitude that I want to have. That's the kind of attitude that I believe we all should have as Christians. And then finally it says, why did they do this? Because they were giving themselves first to the Lord. And then as a result of that, as a result of, of putting God first, of giving themselves to God, the rest overflowed out of that. Them taking care of the apostles, giving to them, sending that stuff, 
That was just a result of putting God first, of God's love overflowing through them. Amen? Now, before we get going any farther, I want to give a word of caution. Because we've talked about giving, and we've talked about, we've talked about uh, the reward that's added to our account, the blessing that comes in return, right? And that's a great thing. I th- am thankful that God honors those who give. But in Matthew 6, 1 through 4, it says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you that that they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that, there, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees it in secret will reward you. Giving is not done under compulsion. It's not done as a requirement. It's not done because I'm preaching this message. If, if, you, if you're feeling the need to give because you're feeling guilty because I'm preaching about this, then you're, you're getting it wrong. We shouldn't give because we, we feel a duty or, or a, a requirement or we feel guilted into it. It should be out of the overflow of joy in our heart for what God has done for us. If you're doing it for a reason, if you're treating giving as a, as a supernatural lottery ticket or a supernatural investment, you're, you're missing the point. We don't give so we can get. We give because God gave to us, but as a result, God takes care of us. Amen? He says here, don't practice your righteousness for other people to see them. He's saying basically don't do this stuff for the wrong reasons. Because if you do, you're going to receive your reward. If you're a a big giver and you're going around telling everybody how much that you gave so they can give you a pat on the back, well, that pat on the back is your reward. The scripture says, when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. We don't do this for accolades. We don't do it for applause. We don't give because we feel pressured. But we give because God gave to us so much. And it's a natural response. It's an expression of His love inside of us. Amen? And we'll end here this morning. Matthew 25, 31-40. It says, when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before Him will be gathered all the nations, and He will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And He will place the sheep on His right, but the goats on the left. And the King will say to those on His right, Come, you who are blessed by My Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. You know, when we're generous, we're actually doing it to God. Amen?
And God notices. You know, this morning, I want to challenge us. Let's be a people who are generous in all things. And like I said, if, if you leave here and you're doing it because you feel guilty about the message, then you've missed something. Matter of fact, if that's the only reason that you're giving, I would, I would say don't. It's not going to do you any good. Giving is about the overflow of Christ's love inside of you pouring out. Being generous is about expressing His love. But this morning, I would challenge you, let's be a generous people. Let's be a people who would let the love of God overflow through us. Let's let people see God's love in us. Amen? Amen. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet.